This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He's the pride of your Miami Redhawks. He also happens to work for the NFL Network, and he does the Rose Rotation podcast that happens to have as a special guest a certain member of the Cleveland Indians from years gone by who you're going to want to hear about, and you're going to do that next. Chris Rose joining us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Hello, Chris. Chris. Uh, gentlemen. Man, great stuff with Albert Bell. I've been following along with you on this stuff on uh, on Instagram. And I'm just I'd like the stories you got out of him were really good. I, I know I don't want you to give away the whole thing, but the John Hart had a chance to keep Albert Bell here before he went to Chicago. I was like, what? Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, I had a whole hour with him. Uh, he gave me a lot of time, which was awesome. Uh, for, you know, people who are listening and you're like, oh, I know the name Albert Bell. Well, Albert Bell was kind of the centerpiece of the Cleveland baseball renaissance in the mid-'90s. Um, he was enigmatic. He was highly intelligent. He was extremely talented. He just was he was a little bit of everything. And um, some people thought he was the meanest person in the game. I think you might have a slightly different view when you're done listening to it and you can listen to it. You know, it's in podcast form. If you just want to do the audio only, if you want to see him and see him laugh, which he did a lot, it's on our jam baseball YouTube channel. Just follow me at the Rose rotation. Or if you follow me on Twitter at Chris Rose, you know, it's all, all over there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the part about John Hart, I had to ask him, said, were you even close to, you know, re-signing with Cleveland when you were a free agent after the 96 season? He said, I wanted to stay. And John Hart didn't believe that we had the offer that we had from the Chicago White Sox. And he basically said, BS, you don't have it. He said, okay, well, tomorrow we're signing with them then. Uh, if you can't match it, he said, BS, you're not doing that. Well, they ended up signing with the White Sox the next day, and I guess the rest of this is true. Five years, $55 million, if I recall correctly? Yeah, the he at the time became the highest-paid player in baseball. 
And he earned it, Chris. Yeah. I mean, of all the players that that we've seen go through Cleveland and, and you know, going through the whole 90s when those teams were terrific, I think Manny Ramirez might have been the best right-handed hitter I've ever seen. But to this day, I think Albert Bell is the best clutch hitter we ever had here in Cleveland. Yeah, and the most punishing. You know, there's not a lot of guys that stand in that batter's box and are intimidating. There's a bunch of guys on the pitcher's mound because they have a baseball and can throw it 100 miles an hour, whether it was Nolan Ryan or Randy Johnson or Pedro Martinez, Roger Clemens, those guys. They were intimidating. Albert Bell walked in there and did not have a smile on his face and was all business. We talked about that. I really had to ask him early on. I said, did you even enjoy playing baseball? Because it sure as hell looked like you didn't, you know, you weren't laughing and giggling up there. It didn't look like it was a great time. He loved it. And he said that after a while that that was kind of the persona that was out there. And, um, you know, he kind of stuck to it. You know, I think he kind of bought into this whole bad boy image, and that's what he took it and ran with. He also bought into studying the game. I mean, he had notes yeah. on every pitcher. Oh, yeah. And I just, like, I remember my years when we were traveling, we talk about how much time he would spend with Video Joe, who was the, the you know, like one of the first traveling video guys for the Indians at the time. I mean, he would, after every at-bat, he would go back and watch every pitch. I, you, you want to talk about, I mean, that's analytics without saying analytics and how much he studied the game while he was playing the game. Yeah, I would be curious to see how he would do in today's game with everything that's available to him. That's a good point. And what he would specifically want. Because a lot of the high-end guys are saying, hey, listen, this is what I'm looking for. Help me with this. It's not just a pitching tool in terms of analytics. It's a lot of hitting. What are guys trying to do to me? What What is this guy throw that's that works best, that doesn't, what should, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he's a genius. I mean, he was as smart a player as there was in the big leagues. And um, I had a great time talking with him. I really did. Hopefully there's some some stories that, you know, if you're 40 or 50 that you can rekindle some good thoughts. If you're younger than that and never saw him play and didn't know a lot about him other than Albert Bell, oh, he was that mean guy. You know, hopefully you're going to get a little bit more out of it. I got to tell you, I've loved the stuff that I've seen on Instagram just because I follow you. And it just the the one part I thought was kind of an interesting conversation was, look, if they're going to throw at you, do you necessarily have to take the free base? Or can you yeah. stand in the box and say, no, I want another pitch. We'll play here until he, you know, either throws four balls or I, – I, it made me actually think about it for a second. And I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm a manager, I'm going crazy. I want that runner on base. Well, that incident happened when he was with Baltimore at the end of his career, and he had hit three homers against, uh, I think it was Hasegawa that day. And so he knew that he was going to back him off the plate. It ended up hitting him. He said, I don't care. You know, I'm not taking first base. Tell him to throw me a pitch. Like, I don't care. You can give him ball one, strike one, doesn't matter. Have him throw it because I'm going to go hit a fourth. And Ray Miller, the manager of the Orioles, comes out. He's like, Ray, I'm not going to first. Like, I want a chance to hit for us. And they're like, what What do you mean? Like, umpires stepping in. Like, no, no, you have to go to first. But eventually he went. That's great. But I really think that he wanted – he wouldn't have cared if the count was 0-1. I, I think he told me, hey, ball one, strike one, I don't really care. <laughs> Give him whatever count he wants. I want to keep hitting against him. 
Chris, his career ended, and last thought on Albert, his career ended with that hip injury. He was only 33 years old. I think he's a Hall of Fame talent. Do you think the shortness of his career affects that to any extent, or was it his persona and his dealings with folks who now vote on things like the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I think that the shortness is an easy excuse to say why he didn't get it, right? The counting numbers um, are easy for people, right? There aren't the people that have 3,000 hits and 500 homers are in the Hall of Fame unless they're attached to some sort of scandal. Um, I think Albert would have gotten if he had another, you know, four to five years. If he had played till he was 37 or 38, he would have gotten the 500 homers. He was not just a power hitter. He had a career in 295 average. He was an OPS machine. His OPS is a 933 career. That is elite, elite stuff. Uh, that is Hall of Fame material. I would venture to say that the three names you could say that were the most um, devastating hitters in the American League in the 90s were Bell, uh, Frank Thomas, and Ken Griffey Jr. And Albert Bell was more available than Ken Griffey Jr. Um, you know, he was dominant. He was dominant. and I. But I do think that the same people who denied him the 95 MVP, which he should have ran, run away with. I mean, forget about winning it. The fact that Mo Vaughn wanted over him is a total joke. Yeah, a total joke. If it silly. had happened yeah. in today's game, if it had happened in the way that we evaluate players today, because Mo Vaughn's war was like four, four and a half. Albert Bell was like a seven. And that's with substandard defense. He would have, he might have been the unanimous MVP, to be honest with you. So, you know, I, I get it that he didn't treat people well. It's your job as a voter to take that out of the equation. Like, right. Okay, so he was a jerk to you. So what? You know, phenomenal, I would vote phenomenal. certain guys in the Hall of Fame who I don't like personally, but I would have felt like they deserve to be there. And I think that's the way you have to look at it. We yeah. could do a, a jerk Hall of Fame. That'd be easy. Which is, I'll put it together. We'll do it, but we can't air it. That's the problem. Because we'd never get we could another. Also do a, we'd never have another interview again. <laughs> we could also do a jerk sports media hall of fame. That oh. one would be easy too. Yeah, I, you know what? I agree. He's hundred percent right. <laughs> I just hope I'm nowhere near there. That'd be the closest. Oh, maybe that could be the closest to a hall of fame I could ever get into. The jerk. Not one. true. Not true. I'm sure you're in the <laughs> Cleveland Heights. Uh, I am not biology student hall of fame. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I won best, uh, roving eyes during a test. It was, it was very, very, uh, nice it was a very exciting day when I went up and gave my speech, Chris, let's talk about the NFL for a second. My friend, uh, we have a super yeah. bowl. We have two super bowl participants and I, I, the league right now is so on fire. It's like, I, I, I went into the weekend, just kind of bummed out knowing that we only had two games left and one after that. And, you know, the ratings are through the roof right now. Everything seems to be going in the right direction for the league. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, and yes. There's a question for many, there many somewhere. reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was great. I thought, the, I thought Sunday's games were fascinating. Um, I didn't think that the Kansas City Chiefs necessarily could win an AFC title game without scoring a point in the second half, but they did. Uh, so I suppose I was right. 
from what I said after all, that they could ride that defense all the way to the Super Bowl, and they did. So um, in the late game, I feel from our friends in Detroit. I really do. I feel for you. I know there are probably some Browns fans who are like, aha, there you go. You're still stuck in the same boat with us. I didn't feel good about that at all. I love the Niners. I really do. Like, they're my second. I mean, listen, the Browns are my favorite team. I enjoy watching the Niners as much as any franchise play because I'm a big Shanahan guy. Um, I thought Brock Purdy was sensational in the second half and really did some great things, and he's an amazing story. All these people are like, well, Brock Purdy sucks. Like, do you realize what you're saying? He was the last pick of a draft. Go ahead. Tell me how many other people you could name that were the last pick of the NFL draft. Larry Wonky. Forget about, forget about saying that they were any good. You know, like he's a phenomenal story. And for God's sake, if in less than two weeks they end up beating the uh, Chiefs and winning a Super Bowl, that is, I mean, that's some Kurt Warner type stuff up there. It's really amazing. And he looks 14, Chris. Yeah, he does. He's, he looks very young. Um, yes. Yes, he does. Yes. Well, we, we went over the defensive line today. We're doing some positional breakdowns. And yeah. we were – I think it was the key to the team this year. I love the, the moves Andrew Barry made in the offseason. I wonder, Chris, in, in digging into it a little bit, and they have four key guys leaving in free agency – I wonder what the urgency is to bring back Hurst and Harris and Elliott and Zedarius Smith, or if the thought is we have young guys that are on this roster that we've invested draft picks in, and maybe we can shoot higher in free agency than the guys we're losing. How do you think they approach that position group in the offseason? Well, guys, listen, this is, this is one of the first times we've had since we've been back in the league where we really have to be cognizant of the salary cap yeah. right we have yeah. some guys that are making a lot of money and a quarterback whose cap number goes all the way up from low 20s to 64 million that means it's not a question of well should we bring back shelby harris and maurice Hurst? the question is can we afford to and you know yaki Ika and isaiah mcguire got red shirt years those are mid draft picks those were not low draft yep. picks one was a third and one was a fourth if you go look at the teams that are still competing, they've got guys who are drafted in the middle rounds who are making contributions. And that's the way you build a team when you start paying a quarterback and paying guys at premium positions, whether it's edge rusher or your top corner or offensive line. There's other areas where you are going to have to say, hey, young dudes, you're it. So I, I don't think it's a question of, yeah, you'd love to bring all these guys back. It's not realistic. It is just not. And everybody who says, hey, let's go get T. Higgins, well, T. Higgins isn't going to come here for, for secondary money. He's going to want to get paid like he's a one, and he should. That's what he's earned over the first four years of his career. Um, is it as simple as restructuring a few contracts and keeping to kick the can down the road? I, I'm not smart enough to tell you that. Because I don't know. Um, I would expect some restructuring to be done. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a guy who is who you expect to be on this roster that will not be on this roster, whether it's via trade or they get released. Like that sort of stuff's not going to surprise me because that's where the Browns are financially and developmentally. Thank you, sir. 
Where can everybody hear your uh, Rose Rotation with Albert Bell? So, you know, wherever you get your, your podcast, you can download it. It's the Rose Rotation. We appreciate it. Uh, they're fun interviews, and this one's a really, really great one that I'm very proud of. And then our Jam Baseball channel, if you subscribe, it doesn't cost anything. You just hit that subscription button, and those things will pop up, you know, wherever you get, you get your your material. Uh, once again, it's the Rose Rotation. You can just type it in on YouTube, and it's an easy find. It's worth the hour, I'll tell you. You'll, I think most people will really enjoy it. Thank you, bud. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. Take Chris care. Rose joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. A two-day NBA draft. Can I, can I go ahead and give oh you the boy. television coverage, Andy? Great idea. Welcome to day two of the NBA draft. Go ahead and, and put in your guesses as to the five of these 30 guys that get drafted today who might actually stick three years in the league. Let's be honest. All they have to do is show the lottery teams, maybe two more, and then just run a scroll of everybody else. And now the rest of the picks. Doesn't mean guys picked later can can't end up doing really well. Who's watching? And occasionally a second round pick does great things. Jokic, Nikola Jokic, second round pick. However, I gotta tell you, most five times of them. when the lottery's over, I'm out on most of those. Five of them. And it used to be we were in the lottery all Count the time. Count on Remember five those days? being good. If you don't have a team in the draft, you're barely watching. I mean, if you don't have a pick in the draft, you're barely watching. Sorry. That's, that's true. Thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I used to. I, I think the first draft I covered was the Doherty draft, and I was so excited, I was so pumped. Remember, they were out at the airport. Cavaliers used to have their uh, at the Sheraton. Yeah, at the Sheraton, they would. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is great. But they're tearing down for a parking lot. I think. Came Mostly back. They've already done it. This great interviews talking about good food. By the way, there was good food. Oh out there? yeah. Are they getting rid of that hotel? No, that's yeah. Not. They're tearing it down. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Chris I Rose was just with us, yeah. and. We asked Chris, he has his Rose Rotation podcast out now, and it's it's more than a podcast. It's mm-hmm. video and the whole shebang. And he has it out with Albert Bell right now. Did an hour-long interview with Albert Bell. And you, you asked him about it, and, mm-hmm. and he got going. And Chris did something that made me think, huh. He said, 
to paraphrase, if you're not familiar with Albert Bell, he was the centerpiece of the Indians teams of the 1990s and the rebirth of baseball here in Cleveland. And, and I thought, holy mackerel, Chris is right. There might be people here who aren't overly familiar with who Albert Bell is because you weren't alive or you weren't very old. I almost stopped him to say, come on, man, really? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, he might be right. Well, So I didn't stop him. I was just like, okay, keep going. Of all the guys we know who we know really like baseball, mm-hmm. and closest thing to a baseball savant I know in this building is to my right and to your left. Yeah. That would like be over the top Captain Menegan. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little nuts. War on that guy is ten tenths of a point higher than anyhow. I have an addiction and I'm very well aware of it. And I Chris made me think this and I, I asked Dan. I have the answer for you. It's called get a life. I asked Dan going. and and I said, Are you you get a life? Do you I asked Dan <laughs> I'd love you, to. I'd love to be able to sit around and worry about war. Your face gets a life. <laughs> You're like seven years old. Let me know when I Oh, yeah? Know. Your mom. Your mom gets a life. <laughs> when she's not playing handball with the ants on the curb. Okay, so we're sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, we derailed. We're, we derailed. We're good. Sorry. We I, can, I can go now? Yes. Oh, I'll insult you later. Because the mom and, jokes And I coming. thought, well, you know, I, I was working here when, when Albert played here. I'm real familiar with Albert. Yeah. You were covering pro sports, and you were here for part of it, I think, when Albert was here, and you were in Columbus. Yeah, when did so he leave? you were covering stuff. I don't remember what you were And there. I looked at Dan, and I, I said, how old are you? I said, do, do you remember watching Albert Bell? And Dan said, oh, yeah. And then Dan said, I think I was seven. <laughs> I remember watching That's like Albert I remember Bell. watching Chuck Hinton. Chuck was my favorite Indian in the 1960s. Later went on to be a college coach at Howard University. Chuck Hinton was my guy. Is is Albert Bell like Chuck Hinton for you? No, it's a lot clearer. I mean, it's I've and maybe it's because you see the clips all over the place on top of it, which of course helps you remember these things. I strict I seriously remember Albert Bell pointing to his muscle, trucking Fernando Vina. So you were seven or eight? Yeah. Oh my God. You have this burnt in your head of Albert Bell crushing. Baseballs. I mean, just absolutely obliterating them in a lineup of guys with so many different types of swings. I mean, you had the beauty of Manny Ramirez's swing, which looks so effortless. And you had Jim Tomey, who, you know, looked like he was swinging an axe. And you had Albert Bell, who was just pure muscle, just completely pounding baseballs. That an old team, soul. That team was phenomenal. It was you so are You are an old soul, though. You. It's in your sports. It's in your music. I remember. Uh, but I thought that was so interesting that Chris felt the need. And after I gave it some thought, I thought, he's right. Because you know what? Albert's last season here was what, 1996? 96. I mean, that's, Andy, that's hard to believe. Yeah. Like, I, well, I started, 27 years ago? You know, you think about him pointing to his muscle. Good Lord, man. Um, you know, my most of my, I think my, all, my brother, sister, and mom, and Dad all had houses in Richmond Heights at the time uh, when Albert decided to have a great Halloween <laughs> with those kids at Richmond oh. Heights. Remember that story? <laughs> yeah, that was not, uh, not good. <laughs> we all lived around the corner from there. I did. I wasn't living here at the time, but they were all living. And then my dad calls me up. He's like, you're not going to believe what Albert Bell did around the corner from here. And I was like, oh, my God, Dad, no. <laughs> it's, inter- it's interesting. Al- Albert 
you know, he lived here all the time. I, I honestly think Andy, he's a Hall of Fame player. And I've, yeah, I've thought I, I that thought for his, a long time. His hip is what stopped him from being in the Hall of Fame. And the fact that, he, that you know, he just, he didn't make any friends along the way with the media. Not at all. So, well. Or yeah. thermostats in the clubhouse. His numbers are absolutely silly. You might remember when when he was Joey Bell, he came up when he was 22 years old in, in 1989, was here for a while. And then there were some, you know, there were some things. And he spent most of 1990 in the minor leagues. Nine games. You know what drives me crazy? Sorry, I'm just going off. I just, like, I hit Albert Bell stats. It drives me nuts that it says he played for the Guardians. I'm sorry. That, it just bothers me. He okay. played for the Indians. I'm sorry, I just had to let that go for a Back second. on track. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not the only one that drives crazy, by the way. But you think of young players in, in Major League Baseball now? When Albert actually established himself here, he was 24. You know, and, and you kind of think that that's a little old for a, a guy to come in as a rookie and do his thing. He had played, you know, 60, what, 71 games total before he was 24. But then he came up in 91 at the age of 24 and hit 90, had 95 runs batted in and over 100 runs batted in each season the rest of his career. And, and the the numbers, the doubles, the home runs, the batting average was, was much better than you'd expect. As Chris said, it was 295. He had a couple of ungodly seasons. I think he's a Hall of Famer. And that, to me, shows the problem with baseball voting for the Hall of Fame. You know, it's ridiculous. It's, we had a year where no one got in the Hall of Fame. Come on. By the way, that was the year I visited Cooperstown. The year that nobody got in? <laughs> yes. An, an umpire, an executive, is, and somebody else. Phelps is coming. Forget about it. We don't need to let any we players need, in this year. They were selling hats in the Cooperstown little gift shop of like some obscure, and forgive me, some longtime executive, an umpire from years gone by, and somebody else who I don't even, he didn't play. But yeah, that's that's going to be flying the off the shelves. Here. Yes, flying off the shelves. You know, the the more I think back on that team, and that you you're kind of stirring all these memories, the more respect I have for Mike Hargrove. And you think about well, how did he pull that off? I, I mean, first of all, he had a dynamic lineup, which is, I mean, helpful. But it was the personalities. I mean, truly a manager. <laughs> Didn't matter if it was righties against lefties. It was about what was going on inside that clubhouse and. And just his ability to manage what was going on there. It's really, I, I mean, I mean, you know how I feel about Grover. And I just, thinking about all this stuff just makes me even, you know, bow down to him even more for his ability to, and I, he'd be like, what are you talking about? But his ability to manage that clubhouse with so many big names in there and so many great players. And sometimes I wonder if that's harder than having young guys that have no idea about the bigs and, and trying to teach them everything where you've got all these guys that probably – Thought they knew everything about the game. It was interesting, that's for sure. And you know, like on that '95 team, guys who were just kind of scratching the surface. You know, that, that's what that's what Manny was. That's what Jim Tomey was. They're just barely scratching the surface. And they were bit parts on that team. Brian Giles was around for a couple of games. Brian turned into a really good major league hitter. Those guys were also bigger than life because the Browns weren't there. You know, for it the sure time helped, right before. Andy. I mean, it made new, them... new ballpark, no football team. Yeah, there you go. They were larger than life, and I mean, they were they were Hollywood celebrities. Well, Russell, it was a big you know, deal. I think about guys like Russell Branding and Brian Giles, and he talked. So I think about all the power. They're like, yeah, we got enough. Let's let him go. Richie Sexton was here. Richie, yes. Get rid of Richie. Too tall. That was his problem. <laughs> 
he hit the ball too far. Was that the problem? Uh, that would be the problem on this year's team. Oh, man, he just he hits the ball too far. I mean, we're going to have to buy extra baseballs if he puts them over the fence. Well, we're not going to have to. Steven, vote. That's not an issue for you, is it? I can't believe it's been 30 years. You're right. Well, it hasn't, but it's close. Feels like it. It sure does, doesn't it? I just, the fact that Menigan, you know, who's sitting over here with a beard with a tinge of gray in it already, was a was a not even 10 years old, but he remembers Albert Bell. Just made me think, boy, Chris was right by having to point that out. I mean, there's a there's a ton of us. There are a ton of baseball fans all around here who became baseball fans because of 95, 96, 97, 98. I mean, that's that was the foundation of everybody I went to school with. You know the most impressive thing to me about that era of Indians baseball? Yeah, the 95 team was stunning. The 96 team might have been better. Who knows? Right. I, I think the 95 team was incredible. The thing that impressed me most about that era was that John Hart kept retooling. And by the time they got to the end of that run, and they were still really good, most of those guys were different. You know? Kenny was back, but, you know, you had Roberto Alomar. You just had different guys. Albert wasn't there. You know? Manny was elsewhere. It was it was just really. You never once talked was, about the money either. No one was ever talking about what they were paying. The no. You just were able. They were able to keep it going and keep developing guys and keep bringing in guys. You know, go get Matt Williams. He's only here a year. Right. Matt Williams was pretty dang good. Kenny. Problem. All right, we're trading you for Marquise Grissom and David Justice. Well, that worked. And then Kenny comes back. That worked. It's just it was so much fun. It's been such a great walk down memory lane. Well, it was all inspired by Chris Rose. Don't That's right. me. And now when we walk in the ballpark, we're not even going to recognize the ballpark when we go back in. I was looking at That's those pictures I hear. again. I, I was looking at the pictures from Daryl Ryder, and then Daryl and I were talking about this. We talked about it on the podcast yesterday on the football podcast. Um, just it's it's going to be a much different feel when you walk into that ballpark this year. Oh, and you're welcome for the Brewers taking Marquise Grissom's crummy contract off your hands. And we appreciate that very much. Doesn't even begin to make up for Matt Laporta, but whatever. It's Baskin and Phelps here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.